As many of Rev. Lichtenstein's students will attest, one of the great privileges we had was not just to study from this man, not just to be inspired morally, not just to be, hopefully, be exposed to a standard of Yerushalayim that changed our lives, but to see a person who was such a world-class Talmud Chacham, so impressive morally and spiritually, so titanic to us, but to see him, of course, in his humility and his everyday humanity, and in particular, to witness him as a parent. I had that unique privilege because I attended Yeshivat Haaretzion beginning in 1983, when, when many of his children were either a little bit older than me, my age, or younger. So I was able to witness Rav Lichtenstein as a parent across a very broad age range, and Baruch Hashem was able to stay in Yeshiva for several years, and then towards the end of his life, witness him as a grandparent. Not just the end of his life, but for many, many years before he passed. And this came out very clearly from the Hespedim. In fact, I've included a link to this here of a blog written by a Talmud of mine and of the yeshiva who compiled around 10 or 12 references that came up through various Hespedim about Rev. Lichtenstein's parenting behavior. And many of them, as were discussed in the Hespedim by the family members, and this came across very clearly in the Hespedim and the eulogies to many who hadn't understood Rev. Lichtenstein in this light, whether it was the mundane things he did, getting the kids out to school in the morning, playing chess or scrabble with them, doing their homeworks, doing the laundry for them, doing the dishes so the children wouldn't fight. These were all things which were mentioned in the Hespedim, helping them ride bikes. To the more, not more impressive, because Rav Lichtenstein would oppose that, that categorization, but to the non-standard, so to speak. You would expect every parent to teach his child to ride a bike, to do the laundry, to do the dishes. You just find it inspiring that someone of his stature performed those tasks and chores as well to some of the more um, non-standard stories of Rebbe Lichtenstein carrying his babies to share with him and at a certain point the baby who was playing on the floor I forget which child it was uh, had to be changed and Rebbe Lichtenstein took the diaper out and took the baby out changed and came in and continued to share from the exact same word he had stopped at when taking the baby out for a diaper change so these issues came out very clearly in the Hespedim and in addition, Rav Lichtenstein gave a talk to the second-year students in the yeshiva in 2007, so this is about 18 years ago, where she talked about the challenges and the opportunities and the joys of being a parent. And this article can be found in its full written, obviously it wasn't written as an article, but transcribed form on the virtual Beit Midrash of Yeshiva Haaretzion of the Gush. But I just want to paraphrase some of the quotes so to speak, to provide Rev. Lichtenstein on parenting in his own words. In the beginning of his speech, he talked about the different responsibilities of Chinuch. Chinuch primarily is to teach children the performance of mitzvahs. But he talked about a second relational aspect, which he called uh, the Greek's forms of pedeia, eliciting, as he writes, from the personality of the child that which is already there. And is not just didactically instructing towards mitzvah performance and not just in addition, molding and shaping the child, but trying to elicit from the child relationship building capacity, commitments, involvements, attitudes, engagement, 
basically how we would say to convey to a child personality, emotional intelligence, the ability to socially engage with family, with community, with spouse. And then he talked about how his tradition stressed so importantly how a father should be involved in the raising of his children and not just the Torah teaching. I come, he said, indirectly from Brisk and from Volazhin. Of course, he married Rav Soloveitchik's daughter, so that was his connection to Brisk and Volazhin. In Brisk, he said, a very high value was attached to raising children, and particularly to raising them with the paramount values that epitomize this community, specifically the analytic approach to study. So this was Rav Lichtenstein's first description of his tradition, and the, this part of, the, of his parenting attitude he drew from Brisk, the need to be involved directly in studying Torah with your children, and not just studying, but giving them and conferring to them the Brisker derech, the analytic derech. In fact, Rav Lichtenstein would always quote Rav Hutner. Rav Hutner, his other Rebbe, he didn't necessarily stem from the Brisk tradition, Rav Hutner talked about the Gemara in Baba Basra, which talks about Yoshua ben Gamla, who was the first person to to uh, to build, to institute a system of communal public education in Torah. Basically, it was the first yeshiva system, one of the Tanayim. And though it may appear from the Gemara that this was seen as a desirable and even celebrated decision, Refutter always was critical of this because it shifted Torah teaching from the home and the heart to institutionalized schools. Ideally, we shouldn't need any teachers. Ideally, every father should teach his son and every mother should teach his son. And Revaran Luchtenstein always quoted Revaran Soloveitchik. And I heard this directly from Revaran Soloveitchik about how instrumental Revaran Soloveitchik's wife was in instructing children, not only in moral values, emotional intelligence, spiritual commitment, but even in Torah study in Tanakh, um, which presumably was the Torah study afforded to women in those days. So Rav Luchensin saw his first mandate as coming from the Brisker tradition. He wrote, in Brisk, Rav Chaim did not have a yeshiva. He started learning with his children, and people heard about it. So other people joined the group. Today, Yeshiva's Brisk in Yushalayim is an empire. There are 800 students, he wrote this in 2007, and 100 others waiting, knocking at the door. Contrast that with his father's whole yeshiva, namely, Revelva's whole yeshiva, which fit into a living room. Fifty or so seats. I'm sorry, this is the father of, it would be the father of Avram Yeshua Soloveitchik. Revelva would be the grandfather. Revelva had to do with getting a minion, without getting a minion in his home. Namely, Revelva, the grandfather of Rev Avram Yeshua Soloveitchik, who was in 2007 the Rosh Hashiva Brisk, Revelva, didn't even have ten people sitting in his room learning. Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, the father of the Rav, built the Rav into who he was. And during the formative years of Rav Soloveitchik, Rav Yosef Soloveitchik's life, his father of Moshe learned with him for ten to twelve hours a day. And Rav Aaron said, when I say learn, I mean learn. If the Rav, Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, hesitated, or if Moshe thought he was goofing off a bit, he let him have it. So Rav Lichtenstein talked about how he saw himself operating in the tradition of risk. And this tradition demanded that a father be the primary teacher and the primary instructor, not just of values, but of actual Torah, and not just of Torah knowledge, but of the derech and the approach to studying Torah. And this is something which Rav Lichtenstein hammered into us. Something I remember clearly seeing the father 
rather than delegating teaching and instruction and Dhammatara to rabbis and teachers, the father has to see himself as a primary, primary, responsible, primary instrument of Dhammatara. I remember hearing from Varun Soloveitchik, actually, an interesting statement. I don't know if I heard it from him or I heard it quoted in his name. Ravaran Soloveitchik, who also learned with Rav Moshe, Ravaran Soloveitchik was the younger brother of Rabbi Yosef, of Halevi Soloveitchik. Ravaran Soloveitchik used to say that he and his brother, Rabbi Yosef, would study with their father, Rav Moshe. And if they didn't know something, their father, Rav Moshe, would wrap them across the face to, to chide them and to uh, chastise them. So he said his brother, Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, would always tell the truth. Namely, if he didn't know something, he would fess up to it, confess to it, and he'd get hit. Whereas Ravaran Soloveitchik, he said, the younger brother said about himself, I would always lie. And I think he actually said, that's why my brother turned into such a big Gon Olam, and I turned into be another Gon Olam, but he was saying it in that vein. Of course, in today's context, we wouldn't hit children, but the sense of expectation was something which Ravaran Soloveitchik conveyed to us, that they educated their children with a sense of expectation, with a sense of trying to accomplish a high standard. And Ravaran talked about this, but... As often, Ravarn Lichtenstein told us that he didn't necessarily agree with his approach. He writes, Rav Lichtenstein, it was very demanding, and the result was like swinging for the fences in baseball. Ravarn Lichtenstein would use this metaphor very often. Swinging for the fences, for those that don't follow American baseball, would be trying to hit the ball as far as possible and to get more, uh, a higher score. However, if you try to swing harder and swing for a further distance, you'll strike out. You'll miss the ball more frequently. So Rav Aaron Lichtenstein wrote, In almost every generation, there were people who paid a price, a price in simple mental health because they cracked and could not advance. But at the same time, this environment produced terror giants. Parents must ask themselves, Rav Lichtenstein wrote, to what extent they want to swing for the fences. Ravara Lichtenstein continues, the night before one of my children married, he raised this issue with me. And Ravara Lichtenstein would always quote, while discussing parenting, his own parenting moments. Rav Lichtenstein continued, I described to him how I saw other contexts where a steep price had been paid for swinging for the fences. And I said, Ravara told his child, that a double is also enough. A double would mean less of a dramatic accomplishment in hitting a ball, but a safer, a safer way. It is a personalized, individualized decision, Rebbe said. One of the most fascinating autobiographies of the 19th century, Rebbe said, was written by John Stuart Mill. His father, Rebbe said, did not just swing for the fences. He wanted to hit it out of the ballpark. Namely, he was even more ambitious. In his autobiography, John Stuart Mill describes the education he received. When he was a toddler, the father would let him play with Aristotle, quote-unquote. If he went for a walk with his father... He was to discuss Aristotle and logic, or Plato and metaphysics. There were no playmates. He never even realized that there were playmates in the world, John Stuart Mill. He simply was raised in a separate environment, and he was a marvel. But at the age of 20, he had a nervous breakdown, Ravara Lichtenstein said. What pulled him out of the nervous breakdown was not Plato, not Aristotle, not Aquinas. It was Wordsworth's poetry. This is a tug, Rav Lichtenstein continued, which I have always felt as an educator. I never know whether or not I provide the proper mix. Every so often, Rav Lichtenstein continues, I read about people who are not as concerned as I am with values, but are concerned with getting results. 
When I was running the Ritz Kollel, the Wayu Kollel in the States in the 1960s, Rav Lichtenstein wrote, Vince Lombardi coached the Green Bay Packers, a football team. Lombardi's results from his players were unparalleled, astounding, but they hated him. Perhaps if you were a football coach and you were hated, it is one thing. However, if you are a parent and you are hated, it is something else. And if you are an educator who is hated, it is something else entirely. One pays a price for this attitude to child raising. So Rav Lichtenstein, and I, he would always agonize with us in educational contexts, both within the yeshiva when he spoke with us as a staff, when I heard him speak educationally in different contexts, about the brisk style, not just of demanding that a father educate his children, but father educate a child with swinging for the fences, demanding success, setting a high standard, as opposed to setting more realistic standards, lesser, lesser ambitious standards, but on the one hand, safer for the mental health of the child, and also a way that would allow the child to love a parent or an educator, rather than hating and despising the disciplinarian tactics, but still achieving results. And just as an aside, we heard a lot of this from Rav Amital. Rav Amital's famous stories, and he told us these numerous stories of having been to a bris and hearing the parents call the child an Eloi, whatever his name was, let's say the name was David, they would call him David Eloi, the bris already. And when people would ask, why are you calling him Eloi, his name is David, so the parents would say, we want him to get used to hearing himself called an Eloi, so that one day he'll have high ambitions and high standards. And Rav Amital was so violently opposed. He just taught us to educate people to be healthy, happy, Ovdei Hashem, Yirei Shemayim, pious people. This is something that Rav Amitel stressed in certain ways, even more than even more than Rav Lichtenstein, or at least we heard it from him more frequently than we heard it from Rav Lichtenstein. Getting back to how much effort Rav Aaron felt a father must place in educating his children and teaching them Torah, and how he drew this from the British tradition, Rav Lichtenstein continued, Not everyone did that. Many of the Torah giants in Eastern Europe, and not one or two, devoted themselves to their own studies, to writing their chidushim, and let their children grow up as they might within their society. Some even grew, some of these children, to be irreligious Jews. I'm not referring here to some local, isolated, unknown Rav. I feel very strongly about the need for personal attention in child raising and have tried to put it into practice. I too was raised that way. A number of my rabbin also used to speak of the value of learning with one's children. The Rav, Rasalavechik, once said that when one gets to Olam Haba, he's going to be asked, based on what do you deserve entry into Olam Haba? Personally, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein said, the Rav mentioned three things, one of which was that he learned with his children. So Rav Lichtenstein quoted Rav Salavechik as having told the students that when you get to Olam Haba, learning Torah with your children will be one of your tickets of entry. Another story about Rav Salavechik, Rav Lichtenstein related. According to the Rav, Talmud Torah is an important aspect of the interpersonal, emotional, and existential bond between a parent and a child. When the love for Torah embraces an intergenerational link, that enhances the learning. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein continued, When our first son was born in the early 1960s, I was strongly involved with Yavne, which was a national campus organization of American and Canadian religious university students, and I was a member of its national advisory board. The Rav thought that my considerable involvement might divert my energies from other more important things. 
At the brisk, Rav Aaron said, we spoke, and he quoted, the Rav quoted the verse, Ki Yitzchak Yitzchak will be your true offspring. God tells Avram, Rav Soloveitchik conveyed, do not worry too much about Yishmael, for Yitzchak will be your successor. This is what Rav Soloveitchik told Rav Aaron. Rav Aaron continues, what the Rav was telling me was, remember, raising your children is the priority. My eldest child is Rav Moshe, Rav Aaron said. We made Aliyah when he was 10. And when he attended high school at Nativ Meir, I spent a lot of time learning with him and with our second son, Rav Yitzchak. When Rav Moshe finished high school, we sent him to the States to study with the Rav. One of the more legendary stories, I'll just take a sidebar here about Rav Lechnesin, is that he would come twice a week to the high school after returning home from a very busy day as the Rosh Hashiva of the largest Hezder Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein would come and learn twice a week, at least with his sons in Etiv Meir for an hour and a half. And when the Rabbanim of the high school would approach him and say, you must be so busy, how do you have time for something like this to learn with your children? Rav Lichtenstein would say, this is the most important thing. Of course I have time for this. If I don't have time for this, what else would I have time for? This is one of the legendary stories. So now Rav Aaron Lichtenstein told about the story of when he sent Rav Moshe after high school to learn with Rav Soloveitchik. Rav Lichtenstein continues. Rav Moshe Lichtenstein as a child, as a post-high school, spent a year in America learning with the Rav. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein continued, I drove him to the airport, and when he was about to leave, I was going one way, he was going the other, we embraced and did not exchange one word. My wife was then visiting her father in the States, namely Tova Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein's wife, was with the Rav. And I wrote to her, it was worth spending 17 years of learning of chinach in Torah and mitzvot for a one-minute embrace. And my son came away with the same feeling. So this was Rav Lichtenstein's way of demonstrating how deeply the bonds between father and child can be built through Torah study. Namely, Teaching a child is important, not just because that's your responsibility to create Torah capability and spiritual ability and mitzvah obedience, because Torah, if it's the basis of a relationship between father and child, will only enhance the depth of that relationship. Interestingly enough, and I recommend that you listen to Rav Moshe Lichtenstein's Hesped, this was a very deep emotional moment for both parties. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein had a very, very hard time letting go of his child to go learn with the Rav. Emotionally, he was so connected to him, but he knew it was the thing to do. And he actually, if my memory serves me, he actually wrote his wife, this is one of the hardest things he had ever been asked to do, to let go of his son because he loved him so deeply. So this constituted the main part of Rav Aaron's article in Parenting, the responsibility of a parent to teach a child Torah and to build a relationship through Talmud Torah. Rav Luchensin also talked about how a father has to present himself in a home as a relaxed figure. I personally, Moshe Tarragon, I personally witnessed this. I spent the Shabbos in the Luchensin home, and I remember what this next article is about to describe, this next paragraph of Aaron Luchensin wrote, there were differences between cultures and families. When we are at home, Rav Aaron said, my children can poke fun at me, my wife and me. It is part of the scene, and we take it in stride and with joy. One would never have spoken in that way in my parents' home. It would never even have occurred to anyone to speak that way in the Rav's family. It is not that the degree or quality of the love is different, but the manifestation is different. And I saw this, personally, I saw this in his home. I literally saw the children poking fun at him in a cute way, in a loving way. 
I saw him doing the laundry. I saw him making the bed. I saw him doing the dishes. All these stories, I had a front row seat, Baruch Hashem. And it touched me and it shaped, in addition to the parenting skills I picked up from my parents and other role models, it shaped the way I built my family and the type of parent I aspire to be. Rav Lichensin continued, Recently, a student quoted me as saying that a father should be ready both to learn with his children and play ball with them. The student said, that if you want the child, that I had said, Rav Aaron said, if you want the child to want to learn with you, you have to play ball with him. Rav Aaron continued, I'm not sure you have to. But despite not remembering making this particular statement, it is the sort of thing I would have said. Still, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein continued, there's one clarification I want to make. I did not play ball with my children as a trick, as a tactic. I did not think today I'll play basketball with him and in a year we'll learn Midchas Chinuch. I don't think one should approach it that way. There is joy, there is wonder in the ability to play with one's children. It is not simply a tool, not just instrumental. It is a joy in its own right. And one of the joys which I think God fully permits us and wants us to participate in. I don't harbor any guilt about playing ball with my children, nor do I regard it as a wasted day. It is part of what being a family is all about. And seeing, now I'm saying, seeing Rav Lichtenstein play with his children and allow himself, so to speak, the joy of playing with his children and realize that this was a way to build a bond that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to. But it shouldn't be a tactic or a gimmick or instructional, but a joy that Hashem programmed into the human heart. This left an indelible impression on his students. And then in the article he spoke about a very interesting speech he gave on Rosh Hashanah. Typically on Rosh Hashanah, at least during one of the Sichot, Ravaran would talk about child, children, and childbearing, and Chanes Tvila. So Ravaran wrote, Many years ago on Rosh Hashanah night, I spoke about the question of childlessness with reference to the Torah reading, Sarah not having a child, and the Haftarah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, Chana. Ravaran continued, Afterwards I felt badly, because I saw among those assembled one of our alumni who had been married for five or seven years and still did not have a child. When he later stood in line to wish me a good year and to be wished a good year, I asked him if I had gone too deep. He said that he had no words to thank me for my understanding of his plight. This is a very, very powerful story. First and foremost, because it demonstrates Rav Lichtenstein's ability to feel human suffering, not to get lost in the fact that there were over a thousand people listening to his sicha. And it was very thunderous, and it was very fulminating, and it was very passionate. But to sense that there was a boy there, an alumnus, who had been married, one amongst a thousand people, and then to mention it to him, and yet the alumnus was gratified that someone had understood the plight, because when Rebuchenstein talked about childlessness that night, he didn't just talk about it in a cursory or general fashion, but he delved into the emotional world of someone without children, the way they suffer, the way they pine. He let us feel... Chana and Sarah's plight, and this alumnus felt that someone was someone of a Lichtenstein's stature was identifying with him, and he felt gratified. But it also demonstrated the joy that it's not just a duty, but it's a joy. And somehow, in raising children and in spending time with children, the merging of duty, responsibility, and joy, and that Hakadosh Baruch Hu had created the emotional need and the emotional ability for parents to enjoy their children so that they'd be more effective in raising children and spending time with children. And unfortunately, in today's environment, if we don't have the proper resources available to provide our children, it's not just 
the abandoning of a religious duty, but it's also the perversion of a natural of a natural need and healthy interaction that Akharish Baruch Hu programmed. He talked about bonding, not just educating, but spending time with children. He said, when well, my youngest son, Shai, was 10, Rav Aaron said, we had the occasion to visit my sister in Kiryat Shmuel, which is on the northern outskirts of Haifa. One summer day, the rest of the family went away, and he and I were left home alone. Since Kiryat Shmuel is about 10 kilometers from Akko, I suggested bicycling to Akko. We rode up to Akko and came back by train. So Rav Aaron would always tell us these cute stories. It would personalize his lecture by telling us personal experiences. One may ask Rav Aaron, what is the value of riding a bicycle or taking the train? Yet it was for him and for me, without exchanging words at the time, a formative bonding experience, trivial as it may seem. Sometimes within the context of a relationship, it is the trivial things that are most profoundly meaningful. Without being bombastic about it, without blowing anything out of proportion, that is where bonds are forged and relationships are developed. And you have to start when they're young. So these are just some of the quotes from that article on raising children, on parenting children. It was one of my most memorable, never forget, the privilege of having that front row seat watching Revolutionary raise his own children without prying, without trying to be invasive, but just witnessing it on Shabbatot, at the meals, and of course being friends with many of his children and recounting how they were raised. It was one of the primary parts of my own education, my own relationship with my Rebbe. And hopefully Father's Day, uh, where it's celebrated, and even if it's not celebrated, one of the challenges in our generation is to maintain our priorities and to maintain our commitment to family and to parenting and to being husbands and wives, even when our society demands time, emotions, and um, interest that sometimes steer us away from proper parenting commitments that Rav Lichtenstein reminded us were the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu.